0: Welcome, welcome. This is episode number 15. We made it to 15 episodes of Behind the Wheels, our uh, our podcast made for music lovers. I am DJ Artistic, I am a, a DJ and just the overall lover of music and cultural curator based
1: in Los Angeles, California. Let me introduce you to my co-host E.B. E.B. What's good? What's going on everybody? This is E.B. I am a Mr. Black Culture, Mr. Black Music Writer. Blogger, just a content creator with a love for all things black music. I'm talking r&b gospel, hip hop, rock. I love it all.
0: Everything. Black country music, black classic, hey, whatever. Black, yeah. I'm in love with it. Hey, I'm with it. I'm with that. This is Behind the Wheel. So let's go ahead and get into it. We have a couple of topics for y'all today. We're going to be talking about some artists from the past, present, and future. And you know, we always do end it off with a beat match uh, battle. And this is the last episode for the season. So. We're going to have some fun with it today. So, to start off, we got to catch up talking about that Versus that we saw um, <laughs> last weekend. So, of course, that's one of the biggest battles that we've been debating ever since the first few weeks of Versus early pandemic, like pandemic quarter one. It was yeah. like escaping SW, WV would be a good one. And one of those that we didn't really know if it really would happen, but
1: they made it happen and we saw it. So, what you think about it? You know, I was in love. Like, I and you know this because you and i talk about it but swv is one of my favorite groups of all time their debut album is top 10 from the 90s for me um i thought it was great because i I also love um escape and it just made me feel like i was back in that time everybody looks good which is crazy to say like for these women who are now in their 50s and we were introducing (laughs) them when they were teenagers but everybody still looks good. I'm glad they sang live a little bit so we could hear yeah. that they still all got the vocals. But I thought it was great. I mean, we both know who won, you know, I mean. I mean, yeah,
0: we we know we that. Know. I mean, everybody, most of my folks, the, the only person I know who's really Team Escape is my best friend, Billy. He just loves some Escape. And his, <laughs> his whole thing is that all four of them can sing lead. And that's
1: what a lot of mm. Escape fans
0: have always said is that they can all sing lead. And they're better singers. And
1: this is yeah. my thing about they all being them all being able to sing lead they can all sing lead but their harmonies suffer because everybody's trying to be yeah. a solo star so their blend is not That's always true. there and it sometimes sounds like you know children's choir at church where everybody's just trying <laughs> somebody got too much vibrato somebody i'm not gonna say her name um <coughs> candy um voices a little deeper <laughs> oops, sometimes oops. so sometimes it'd be off pitch but you know those yeah. scott sisters i love latasha i love love them like they can all sing. Yeah. I'm not gonna take away from, them. but still, SWV's power is in their harmonies.
0: It is the harmonies are, are the main thing, and yeah, like you said, it's where it's, it's the balance. Like we know Coco is the singer of the group, but the way that they balance out is, I mean, it it just works a lot better. But I love to see Coco hop on that. Who can I run to when she hopped on there? Listen, I'm like because hey, she can sing hey.
1: anything. Like that girl was raised in yeah. the church. She's ready to yeah. go at a moment's notice. Like you give her a song, and she's gonna take you to church with it, no matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah,
0: every single time. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And, I mean, the thing is, even though we always do pick whoever we think is going to win it, it's still fun to see the back and forth because, of course, it's still where we didn't realize. Like, sometimes those escape songs that you hear is, like, even the first song they came out with was Is My Living in Vain, and that wasn't a hit. But that's a straight Clark Sisters gospel, like, fan
1: favorite. They both started with the gospel. They had Is My Living in Vain by the Clark Sisters. Coco did. Endow me by the Clark Sisters. So they both were heavily influenced yeah. by the Clark Sisters. So I liked that they started it off with gospel going to their roots. I know a lot of people had a problem with um Coco's attitude um while they were on stage, but she clarified and tell, and told the story that before they went on, outside of her hotel room, she saw a lady get shot and so the lady's bleeding and then she had to go perform like <laughs> right after that wow. and be on camera. So that's pretty hard. So you know, people were like, ah, Coco got an attitude, which historically she's kind of known for being a diva. But this time it wasn't because of that. Like she really went through some traumatic experience right before. So she she was a little yeah. off, at least during the first round, the first half.
0: The first half, the yeah, first half yeah. she was because I didn't realize it until after. So, I mean, it, it puts it all into context now because, I mean, I'm happy she still pushed through because it's a lot of us who couldn't really like. You see somebody get shot. That's hard that's to like hard, go from yeah. that to now. I'm singing these happy songs about exactly. love and life. So exactly, that's a very very traumatic experience. So so blessings to her, and I'm not sure about uh, the woman who got shot, but hopefully, hopefully she hopefully right. it wasn't fatal. Yeah, right. I didn't really hear too much of that, but hopefully she could push through because that is a lot. But yeah, yes, yeah, salute to them both for doing that. Um, I won't say too much. I mean, I'm a DJ, but I'll say DJ A1 was very entertaining. He was. <laughs> I was entertained by him. So. Everybody
1: was saying yeah. that, and I I did see um, a couple of like like my favorite DJs, like huge DJs, where they were kind of making yeah. some comments. I'm mean, not gonna call nobody's name yeah. because you know it's, I'm keeping it professional. But it, it, like you said, it was it was yeah. interesting. It was entertaining. You know, I don't think he's a bad DJ at all. Um, I just think maybe hmm. he was he wanted to do something different for the people that night, and he did it. I don't know what it was, but he did it. <laughs> I mean. Somebody said he's an actual strip club DJ, and that puts it into more context. He's
0: probably just so used to high energy that (laughs) it's like he has to bring that same energy to everything. And I mean, the thing is, to me, it's like, of course, you would assume, okay, it's it's two women R and B groups, so at least keep it, you know, women at least at least R and B ish, or even if it's rap. Like like Spin did a great job with the with the Queen Latifah and the and the Yo Yo, but it's like. Like to me, the only thing—I don't say the only thing—the the biggest thing to me that really threw me off is when he dropped that two chains where the chorus said, "Old enough to f your mama, young enough to f your daughter, or whatever." Yeah. I'm like, "You playing this during Mother's Day?" Like, exactly. I don't talk down on
1: DJs exactly. at all, but when he did that, it's like, "Come on, on Mother's dude. Day!" And like, and with all these yeah. women, these you know these seven women up there who are all mothers at this point, yeah. Like, and and all you of drop them. that, and they have a—I think they have enough music. With you know album cuts, remixes, and maybe even their sampled songs that he could have did some a little different. But like like you said, yeah. if he's used to being a strip club DJ, then it makes sense why he took it that way. I know Candy like you know Candy's yeah. a free. Candy like a strip club, so maybe he called Candy that's and true. Candy you know was like, hey, I mean,
0: come come hold it down. He, hold he's it her down. actual DJ, so yeah, That's yeah. her actual DJ, so yeah, it made it makes it made sense. sense in that way. But hey, so salute to everybody who's involved with that. So. Uh, speaking of the the past and artists from that generation, um, we're gonna get into our rewind. So in the rewind segment, we we talk about artists from the past who made impact and that we feel are whether they're unsung or just um, whatever it is, you know, they could be unsung, they could be legendary, either way, uh, or both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, for this for this episode, who do you want to pick for your rewind um, for, this, for this? I week?
1: gotta go with one of my favorite musicians of all time. I've mentioned him on here before um it's Kashif out of uh Harlem, New York. Um just because of his innovative oh, spirit. Dang. I just I'm just like it, we had to end it episode 15 with a bang, so it's like let's go with Kashif. Yeah. I I'm with that. Kashif is like black music royalty to me. there was a show before we talked about new jack swing and you were asking me like what do I think the origins come from? And I named Kashif because during his time he was one of the first people to experiment with synthesizers and not just, you know, mm-hmm. he was they were leaving disco and going into boogie. And he was just like, let's do something different. So um, he's based out of Harlem, New York. His first instrument was the flute. And by the age of 12, mm-hmm. he was already a multi-instrumentalist. So he was performing in like New York City nightclubs, like the Copacabana and Turntable at the age of 12. And by 15, he had joined BT Express for people who don't know what or who BT Express are. They had that song, Do It Till You Satisfied. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you Dang know it said. Yeah. So, he was he joined yeah. them as a keyboardist and a vocalist. Um, he basically left because he got bored. Like he wanted to do something different. So, he went to work for Stephanie Mills and became her official keyboard player. He ended up signing with Arista and went solo and in 1983, he released his debut, Kashif, and the songs that people might know are um I just got to have you, love you T- lover turn me on and help yourself to my love. Um, the album was was like a hit and one of the things I love about him was he was releasing instrumental tracks as an R&B artist and still getting love <laughs> uh, he's worked with literally everybody like he's been instrumental in the debut albums of two huge artists one being Kenny G yeah. and one being yeah. Whitney Houston You Give Good Love was <laughs> oh, Kashif he wrote produced it um, he and Whitney have a duet called Thinking About You which is one of my favorite wow. songs on the album, but he's released about five albums between 1983 and 1989. He's worked. When I say he's worked with everybody he's worked with, I named Whitney. I named Kenny G George Benson, Evelyn champagne King. He did I'm in love and betcha, you know, Johnny Kemp, (laughs) Melba Moore, Dionne Warwick, (laughs) you know, Stacy Latisaw, Melissa Morgan, love changes. That's him and Stacy. That is like one of the classic duets of R and B. Like, so, Kashif wasn't nothing to play with. Like, he was one of those people, which is crazy because his name actually means, like, innovator and creator. Um, which he changed it to because uh-huh. that's what the industry labeled him as. And back in yeah. the early 80s, he was, like, the in-demand instrumentalist, in-demand producer, in-demand everything for everybody. Because if you had Kashif on it, it was going to be a hit. Like, there was no question. He won a actually Grammy for a song with Al Jarreau called Edgar Town Groove which was an instrumental with Al, um, you know, a little bit, yeah, a little, a little background, a little yin, yin, yin around the house, you know, doing a little something, but um, he's been nominated for quite a few and surprisingly they were all instrumentals. So that was really where his wheelhouse was. That was really where his passion was. And he's a name that I don't feel gets brought up enough. Like I said, like to get to new Jack swing, well, to get from disco to new Jack swing, like there had to be, a bridge and I think Kashif was definitely that bridge he wasn't really working with a lot of uh, hip-hop at the time but I think his worth with his work with the synthesizers and just the artists that he chose to work with they were very diverse like Melissa Morgan on the R&B charts but you got Whitney and Kenny G on the pop charts so he wasn't he wasn't afraid he gave Evelyn Champagne King like a whole new career like reinvented her whole style so I always salute him for that because I still get on the dance floor when those come on
0: Oh, definitely because she just had that that boogie sound like i kind of kind of that jerry crow funk that we've mentioned before but yeah even tracks like that howard that howard Johnson, so fine, so fine. it's crazy that, <laughs> that was used in that that commercial last year with the uh, cam newton like yeah he had that the crazy yeah. thing is
1: it was originally supposed to be a jingle for a commercial that they turned really? into a full song that was like that was wow. the thing like he was, he was Arista's golden boy, so they were trying to get him the deals, making him that money. So it was like, oh, somebody I forgot what the name of the company, but they needed a jingle. And So Fun was like what, what, how it started, and then the Howard Johnson song is what we got.
0: That's wild to hear, because I, I didn't realize that, but it sounds like it, because it's perfect in the commercial. And, yeah. And, yeah, and one thing about Kashif, you probably didn't even, didn't even know, but um, he was actually a teacher out here at Englewood High School.
1: No, I didn't. I know he did a lot for uh, yeah. music education, but I did not realize that yeah. he was teaching in Englewood. was yeah, crazy.
0: It was crazy because I, cause I had some neighbors who went to high school there, and they are about maybe eight years younger than me, maybe even, even younger, and one of them was just a straight music head, and he, he was talking about Kashif, and I'm Sweet. like, how you know who Kashif is? And he was like, oh, he's my teacher. And I'm like, no, really? he's not. I, I had to Google it. I didn't believe him, and I yeah. looked it up, and I'm like, oh, he really is teaching at Englewood. That's dope.
1: Like, I had no idea. Music has always yeah. been in his blood, um... He was actually yeah. adopted uh, at the age of four months. Um, his mother went to jail and he was abused for a couple years in the foster care system until he found a permanent home. So he always dedicated his, his life's mission was to give back to the young community. He made a documentary about the history of R&B music that a lot of people haven't uh. seen. But no, he, he was really good oh, on yeah, music he education. Was,
0: he was working on that. Did, did they ever finish it?
1: I don't think they ever, ever I don't think they ever um released it. I think it was completed, yeah. but I don't think it was released. I remember seeing the YouTube clip and I was ready to watch it, but yeah. I don't think it
0: ever came out officially.
1: Music education was wow. his thing. He was he was like we do on the show, looking back, but also like what what's next? Like where are we going? Like how we how we get the, yeah. the next generation to like Where's what we here? like and, and you know, let let this let the music evolve a little bit.
0: Yeah. No, definitely salute to Kashif, he was a straight legend, so that the guy give him all his flowers right all there. Of them. So, for sure. My pick for this episode is actually gonna be the Brat. So, speaking of the whole SWV escape <laughs> versus, uh, she came out and I was like, you know, like the Brat, she has an interesting legacy to me. I feel like it's weird with hip hop. It's where a lot of times you hear people always, hell uh, the 90s, but it's always the same names and it's mainly the men. It's yeah. like you don't really hear the women get the acclaim. And if you do, it's always Lil Kim because Lil Kim has the most direct lineage to Nicki Minaj, which leads to, of course, the Cardi and Meg.
2: Yeah. But
0: it's like then you hear Missy. People do respect Missy, People respect of course, Missy. a whole lot because mm-hmm. of the songwriting, the singing, everything mm-hmm. else. But the Brat at the time was, I would say, early Brat was just as big or bigger than Kim or anybody else because the Brat was the first one to go platinum. Yeah. As a solo, um, as a solo artist, as a as a woman, so. The Brat, to me, uh, the thing with the Brat, she came from Chicago, of course, and she linked up with JD. She actually met JD after uh, she met them from Crisscross, crazy enough. And then um, JD basically huh. took her and made her like the female Snoop. And mm-hmm. it's funny to me because back then, I was just getting into rap, so I didn't realize that she was a Snoop clone. To me, it was just, that's how rappers look and sound. Mm-hmm. But looking back, yeah, she was definitely a a Snoop clone, but she was dope at it. So... I didn't mind then, and I still don't mind because she she was dope at it. She could actually rap, rap, and everything she said was definitely kind of it came from Snoop. Like Snoop had a song, Rat tat tat tat, and then she was the brat tat tat tat. It was like it was definitely direct wow. from him, but but then she took it and, and she ran with it. I mean, even using those funk, I mean everything funk was straight G funk. That was from that yep. that Chronic era, but the way that she modified it, I definitely loved it. And J D J D does get flack sometimes because they say he takes people's style, but to me, he always makes it his own. So, when I hear Funkify, like as much as it sounds like it's of the G-Funk era, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound anything like Dre or Quick or, or Warren G. No. It sounds like a whole different sound. And then, one of my favorite songs ever is Give It To You. That video is one the of the video. best. Ooh. That's probably the best house party <laughs> video ever. Like... Agreed. I watched that video as a kid. Like I can't wait to get money and to get older. I'm having house parties just like this. I'm gonna have a, <laughs> a drummer in there. I'm gonna have JD on the drums playing on top of the the music. Agreed. So she came with these strong, strong singles back then. Yeah, and then I feel like the second album was didn't really get as much love. The what was it another another tangent from whatever it was? She had the, the track with t boss It was mm-hmm. cool, but it didn't really hit the same way. But it was funny because she came out with that kind of t- what we called back then tomboyish. Like we know more about it now. Right, right. Back then we just called it tomboyish look. But then she came back with uh, Tyrese with the What do you like? And it's like, oh, the bread is
1: sexy now. And like she where? was not a tomboy anymore.
0: <laughs> not at all. I'm like, where'd this come from? Like the bread, kind of. Oh, she did. What? Like, where, where'd this come from? Yeah, so the bikini. She, on the she beach. came back with that in. Yeah, and she was. that was six years uh, later, in it, and it still had just as much love as, you know, it was just as dope as what she had before. And, of course, she had so many dope features. She had the Always Be My Baby remix. She had the Drew Hill In My Bed remix. She had the Ladies uh, Night, the Not Tonight. She had the Heartbreaker remix. Whenever she got on the feature, she always killed it. Like, if she wasn't the best verse on there, she was always something like it. She got on the Destiny's Child, Jumpin' Jumping." jumping. Like whenever you throw her on something, and she doesn't get love for that because we always talk about how Buster Rhymes, Ludacris, right. always had dope guest appearances. But whenever you threw
1: the bread on some, she always came through. So no, that's crazy. I've never thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Like her features are some of the best. They're always top tier. Like even when she yeah. was on the uh, what what was the song? The um no, was it the No One Else uh remix? No one else remix. Yeah, total. Yeah, she's on there too. Wow. Yeah. yeah no yeah her features yeah. were always her verse was all I'm like for ladies night I know her verse is still my favorite um Man. like that give it to you video though I gotta go back to it real quick because that <laughs> video Man, was like look. the cameos in there just like people that you don't yeah. even think would <laughs> hang out or associate and people they talk about the one more chance video as being like a good house party video which is it's great but yeah that give it to you video was just I picked that bit video over I mean they're both dope in their yeah. own ways like. One More Chance felt like,
0: okay, that's like the kind of around the way, like, I'm really in Brooklyn at this, you know, right. at the biggest house on the block, but mm-hmm. give it to you, as we in this this ATL An- mansion. mansion, like yeah. we just got paid last week. <laughs> I got on my tan linen suit, you know, yeah. yeah. Champagne
1: and everybody just jamming. Ride. Man. That's
0: what it was, so it's one of those songs that it's interesting because uh, you probably see it like me. People always complain about 90s parties, how you hear the same 10 songs. You always hear Candy Rain, this is how we do it, poison, whoop, woop, whoop. But I always say that that to me, give it give it to you is one of those songs that I wish was at that level because yeah. you kinda had to be there to really know it and love it. Like mm-hmm. whenever I play it at a party when it's like a 90s theme, I can tell who's 33, 34 and up, and I can tell who's under 30. Like I can just look at their reaction. Tell, if yeah. they're 34, <laughs> 35 and up, they hype, they know every single lyric. They they can't wait till for the nine, five, it's the brat, front the five. Like they know the whole ending part. But anybody 30-under is just kind of looking confused, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what this is, but I guess I'll dance to it. So it is where I think that we should just kind of put her back in that heavy rotation because those songs at the time were major, major. Like, I remember 94, it sounds super old, but Prodigy had, like, all the songs listed the top 10 rap songs. I remember they had, number one was Regulate, number two was uh, So Which makes like, sense. 94 was a huge, yeah. huge year, year for rap, and Functify was right there with all those hits with the... Bone Thugs hits with Biggie with mm-hmm. Nas, so I mean yeah. and you
1: said it before. Um, it like it was it was like the G Funk sound, but it did not you you couldn't say that oh she just straight copied anybody like it was it was innovative yeah. for um, JD because like it's been brought up a couple times like he will pull influences from different places. But the Brat was yeah. when she was out, she was like one of the top rated rappers at the time, and she isn't mentioned yeah. now because of, like you said, the lineage from Kim to Nicki to like the Cardi's.
0: Exactly, that's what it was. So, salute to the brat. We definitely gotta uh, give her props along with Kashif, of course. So, to flip that, we're gonna go to the Fast Forward. (laughs) Segment where we mentioned some artists who have been making some waves and are on the way up that we think are gonna have some impact in the future. So, for this part, uh, who was your pick for this week for uh, Fast Forward?
1: Man, so it's the South Korean singer. south korean south korean she's from new york but her parents are south korean so she's raised between south korea and new york but um her name is anna Leigh. and when i tell you this Mm -hmm. girl is dope when i first heard her i heard this song called roses and i was like well who is this like it's a very Mm -hmm. nice like seductive tone i was like okay and then i saw the picture and i was like the voice does not match the face at all um, her influences that she lists are like Layla Hathaway, Brian McKnight, Marsha Ambrosius. But she's 24, I believe. She's based in L.A. now. So she started playing the piano at the age of four. Okay, Music is also, like everybody we mentioned, music is in her blood. It's part of her leg- hmm. legacy. Her father was an orchestral conductor. And yeah. her mother actually had an academy for music. So she began playing, playing piano for her mother's Academy. Her father conducted classical music. Mm. She went to Berkeley on a full music scholarship. And up until then, she said that she didn't even know like neo soul, R and B, none of that. Like she (laughs) had heard none of it and it wasn't something that she grew up listening to, but she loved it so much that Mm. she started to become more of a vocalist as opposed to a pianist. Um, Jill Scott, if you like her, if you like Badu, if you like Dwele music, like you will love Anale. She, um Her debut album actually has been completed. Um, it's yet to be released, but Stokely from Mint Condition is on there with her. Um, she also has a duet with Music Chow that dropped last year as a single um, called Half of It. The song that I first heard, like I said, Roses, that entered Billboard charts um, in the top 100 and it became a top 20 hit like right off the bat her debut single her her um her style is very if you like something to i know we talk about vibe music a lot but if you like mm. something to vibe out to but a strong vocal because a lot of vibe music exists but the vocals aren't always strong nla is definitely the one um you can check her out on spotify she has about five songs up there so far. I am anticipating the album because I really want to hear the song with Stokely because I don't think Stokely gets yeah. enough love either. Um, he doesn't? No, not like he doesn't get the love that he deserves, but she hooked up with him in LA and she's like been on a roll ever since. Like, I'm telling you, when you look Ooh. her up and you see the face, the face will not match the voice. <laughs> like, I played a song the yeah. other day and it was on the TV and my sister was like, what, who is that who's singing this? And I'm like, yes, who's singing this? But it's just like one of those very soulful voices that you would not expect from this tiny South Korean girl.
0: That's crazy because um, whenever I'm watching some of those, like, like I don't know if it's called Korean Idol, Japanese Idol, mm-hmm. whatever they have overseas in Asia. But a lot of times their faces and their look does not match the voice. And it's it's always... It's always dope to me. It's funny, but it's dope. It's like, is that really... That's them, though. It's coming from their voice. It doesn't
1: match the voice. And it's almost like sometimes when you find singers from other countries and they sing... Well, when they speak, they have an accent. But when they sing, it sounds like, you know... Straight American. Straight American. They're from Philly or something. Yeah, that's what what she sounds like. It's crazy. And I've not heard her speak. So I'm not sure if that's just her. But, again, the voice does not necessarily match the face. But it's one of those pleasant surprises like... All right, I'm going to get into this and it's not I know we said I said South Korean. It's not K-pop, guys. It is definitely yeah, R&B, yeah. neo-soulish. Like it's it's on that type of wave.
0: Definitely. I'm definitely going to rock with her because I've heard her name before, but I didn't even know how to pronounce it I I didn't know what type of sound she had. So,
1: Yeah.
0: I'm definitely going to check her out for sure. My uh, my pick for this episode is going to be Shelly. Hey. And Shelly, so he's one of those who has he already has a very interesting um trajectory I would say. So for one, most people who are aware of him know that he used to go by Dram or Big Baby Dram and he came out the gate with that uh hit song called Cha Cha. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard it was some type of I don't know what the true story is, but it kinda got hijacked by Drake in a sense with Hotline uh Bling. So I'm not sure if it was that Drake and his producers modeled their song after what he did with Cha Cha? Cause I didn't even hear Cha Cha until after, so I heard that it was like his song Same. was buzzing, and then Hotline Bling came, and it was it was a weird timing with that. But either way, Cha Cha did get some love, and then the biggest song he had under um, Dram was basically when he had he had the Broccoli song with um, Lil Yachty. and that was kind of a big like it sounded kind of childlike, kind of kitty, but the adults still liked it too. You hear it in the club too, so it had. It was definitely super, super catchy. So that's where he came from. But then the more and more I listened to him, he had more and more like actual soulful and more R and B type music. So he had a couple like typical rap songs. But then when I heard the song he had with her called "The Laydown," I'm like, all right, he's. At first, I'm thinking, okay, he's a type who raps, but he can just kind of sing well enough to make an album cut. But when I heard that, I'm like, he might be better at singing than he is at making rap songs. And then I see that a couple weeks ago, I started hearing about how he has songs under under his a different alias which is actually his real name his real name is Shelly and I was confused I'm like who is Shelly like why is he going by Shelly but that's his actual his real name. name and then he dropped the whole project under under that that just came out maybe a, a week or two ago he just dropped that whole album so that whole album is actually um it's called Shelly aka uh, or fka Dram and It's just, it's a different album. The closest thing I can really describe um, is it feels like he could have been part of the uh, the Dungeon family. It feels a little bit CeeLo adjacent to me or if it could have been somewhere within that because it has a kind of Atlanta sound to it, but it's it's soulful. It doesn't really have too strong of a hip-hop influence, but it does. It has kind of some future vibes, so I can't say it sounds like a lot of stuff that we've really heard before at that level, but... He has a track with Erika Badu that's dope on there. Like, he has some <laughs> some actual quality music on that. Yeah, Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. He has some actually actual like quality music on there. And I feel like it's where he might not break through with this with this project, but he's gonna definitely catch some ears. And I think he's gonna get more and more love from it. I could tell he has a personality that's gonna help him too, because he he's been in commercials and everything. I don't know if it was a Doritos commercial or some type <laughs> of soda commercial that he was in, but it's like he has that kind of playful cartoon um personality and it might be a case of all right like who is he is he a kind of a a silly almost t-pain type or is he a soulful singer because the even the album is like there's they're kind of sexy social songs but it's like would i actually play this when i'm actually with with a woman or is it right. more so like i'm just vibing to it like it's it gets a little bit tricky but either way it's, it's dope like the, the way the way he produces it the way that the song's actually built up, he has bridges and breakdowns that I've been looking for for a while, so...
1: I mean, when I heard the song with um, Badu, Wi-Fi, and, to, like, the way that she embraced him, I already knew, okay, his yeah. personality's a little different. He's a little quirky, but I like that. Yeah, and yeah. I remember um, when he was still going by Dram, you would always see the pictures of him with his dog. And he was yeah, always had did. this, like, yeah. cheesy smile. And I was like, <laughs> all right, who is this guy? And then listening yeah. to some of his music, like you said, I think sometimes... I prefer him singing over rapping, but yeah. I I love that he's bringing something different to the table that everybody isn't bringing. Like he sounds, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's something new that we're not getting like, cause either in this business, you are a Drake type or yeah. you're like a crooner, like a Trey songs or something. And he's like this, like just yeah. quirky guy. Like he's just having fun. It sounds like, but I can tell that he definitely has roots and like soul. Yeah. He reminds me some sort of like a George Clinton in a way. Like, you know, like, he's, he's kind of funky, very innovative. Um, he's always, uh, I won't say chasing the next sound, but um, I think he's one of the people that will be creating um, the sounds that people follow. We talked about, you know, they talked about Cha-Cha and Hotline Bling. I think his sound is one of those sounds that he might not be number one and he might not be the most visible, but he's definitely shaping the sound of music.
0: That's true. I, I can see it that way. I can see it where he might create a blueprint for something, and somebody else it might be a Drake type who takes what he does again. Who knows? Yeah, it makes it even bigger because he's he's a good like blueprint type of almost I almost call him reference track artist because even some of the songs on there, that's I feel a good, like that's a good It shows that he makes some music that would probably be even bigger if somebody who was who was an actual true pure singer sang it yep. instead. It's like that would be an actual hit hit on the radio. So it's yeah, like, then you could play if it with he's you He's a decent with the woman. singer. It's yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what it is. That's what that's what I need yeah. right now.
1: It's like it's just something nice to cruise out yeah. to, to vibe out with. Yeah. But if you put like a singer, singer, I'm using air quotes here, on it, then it's like, oh, yeah. okay, this goes on the playlist, like the playlist, not the yeah. playlist, the playlist.
0: Exactly. That's the way I see it with him. I feel like he he might have a future in that. It might be more on the, on the writing side, but either way, I think it he definitely has a lot of creativity. And it's not that he's a bad singer at all. It's just that he, it sounds like he's a rapper who's singing more so than lay. Like, somebody who grew up singing like he might have been if he was in gospel choir as a kid he wasn't doing solos and if he did it's because his mama was the choir director and i was her best friend so
1: it's that type of deal so so
0: but either way i'm definitely i definitely salute to him i'm enjoying the project that he has so yeah no he's he's dope yeah. i
1: i think he's dope i think that people should definitely be on the lookout for him because like i said the music industry right now a lot of people sound the same and he yeah. doesn't sound like anyone else who, who is he making doesn't. music right now
0: he doesn't. He has his own unique style, so that's why I definitely had to get into him and honor him today. So that is uh, our fast forward, of course. lay. that's how you pronounce it? lay, yep. Anale and Shelly, so go ahead and check them out. Also, we have a playlist, the official playlist. Please check that out on Spotify. The link is in the show notes. We're going to have some music from everyone who we've mentioned so far today. So we're about to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about do we penalize these legendary artists who have been around, who, who put down great music in the past, but haven't done so as much recently, do we penalize them, do we judge them, do we hold them hold it against them? And you know, we're gonna talk about that, along with, we're gonna have a battle of 90s soundtracks. I think we all know what the number one soundtrack is for the 90s, but yeah. we're gonna argue and see what would be you know, the best candidate for that number two spot. So, we'll see y'all in a minute. So while we're on break, please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll help everyone else to find our show and we will make sure to read your review on air. So speaking of that, we do have a review that came in a couple of days ago. It says, what a blessing, five stars from DJ Renaissance, AKA Boogie Baby G. And they state, this podcast has been such a blessing to my life. These dudes have that music knowledge that is out of this world. As an upcoming DJ, I get my inspiration from this podcast. Definitely one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. So Boogie Baby G, we appreciate you for being tuned in, along with everybody else. So go ahead and give us those reviews and ratings and appreciate it. All right, we're back. It's time for that second half of Behind the Wheels podcast. So it's me, Artistic, along with EB. So it's that time for the drop. So for this episode, it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So um, basically, one thing that we do a lot with, especially with rap, but even with R&B, is that it feels like a lot of times artists end up getting kind of penalized for whatever they've made that hasn't been up to par with their legendary music. So whether it's actual trash, garbage, or just mediocre, it feels like it's, it's kind of a struggle when we rate certain artists' legacies. And just to jump into it, E.B., um, what do you feel about that whenever you... Say if you're reading social media or you're talking to somebody, and it could be whatever artist it is. We we're talking about how dope they are, how dope they were. We're comparing artists, and somebody says they were dope, but their last two albums were whack. <laughs> even if they made five classics, what? even if they made ten, even if they... They can perform anywhere in the whole world, even if they've had concerts where they sold out 200,000. It's still where people look at it like, "Well, the last album sucked. The the current single is not." You know, how do you feel
1: about that? We touched on it last show. Like we tend to look through music through this lens of nostalgia, and for a lot of artists who are, or who are now legacy acts, I guess because you know they've been doing it for a while. First person that always comes to mind is Mary. Everybody's like, "Oh." we like sad mary mary's not making good music and i'm always like but her most successful like albums have been the new thing that you said you didn't like i think sometimes we become so attached to um a certain sound from people and we we become attached because of the connection we have to either that album that song or just where we were in life and where they were in life that we don't always uh give them like we don't give them respect and we don't extend them like the grace of letting them evolve in a way that they're not still sounding like 1995 or they're not still sounding like I mean at this point 2005 or 2015 like we we kind of we like <laughs> yeah. to keep people in this box and we will be quick like, like you said they could have five bangers like classic albums not even singles back to back to back yeah. but that one that comes out and it's a little different and you don't like it then all of a sudden you're like, oh well, they done fell off. They not what they used to be. Uh, you know, ah oh, man, why he go and do that? Like he's trying to be like one of them young people. And that's not always the case. Sometimes they're still making music that's true to who they are, but they've evolved and we're not letting them evolve. Like we not we're not even giving it a chance. Like the first thing we do is like, nah, that's trash like that's the that's trash, like we cancel it quick, that's trash, we don't like it. uh play some of that old stuff. it's like no, like let let them do what they do now, in some cases, yes, they might release something that is not great, but not one hundred percent of the time. I don't think actually I think it's about fifty fifty if I can be honest I think like in terms of like releasing music now, sometimes it's like a hit and sometimes it's a miss that just happens to be like the nature of the business. Like that's just the way the industry is. It is.
0: It is. I mean, everything you said, I agree with, I feel like it's complicated because so I was on a quick, um, a Twitter kind of clubhouse type thing right before versus SWV and escape. And we were asking about, of course, about who's going to win. And somebody mentioned who had the best music the last 10 years and folks mentioned that SWV had some decent stuff, and then someone said Escape had some new stuff two years ago, but we didn't hear it because it was it was trash. <laughs> and my comment was like, it's it's where it's tricky. It's like, I didn't hear it, but the thing about it is that basically, I mentioned it, I was like, it's hard for every generation who comes out, no matter if it was 70s, 80s, 90s, or even like you said, five, yeah. 10 years ago, it's where whatever sound that they made at that time, you can't really make that sound forever, so you have to evolve it but then it's like when you evolve it and you're trying to keep up and be young, it ends up being forced. Yeah. But if you make it sound the same, it's like it's it's outdated. And every once in a while, you can kind of go back to a sound once it becomes vintage. Like Al Green, of course, 80s and even 90s Al Green was way different from 70s Al Green. But then he had an album in 2009, I think, called yeah. Lay It Down. And when he made that, he got with Quest right. Love and they made a straight 70s sounding album and it was dope. But it's like he had to wait until. 2009 to really be able to dig back into the 70s he couldn't have made that album in right. 88 or 92 mm-hmm. so it's like and even with like somebody like snoop that's my favorite artist of course everybody knows it but it's where he hasn't really made solo hit hit hits since 08 but th- what he's been doing lately is like okay if you're really a fan of snoop being a super la west coast artist he's still making stuff that's dope in that lane but he's not chasing the hits like he was like when he was with pharrell mm-hmm. and everybody else so some folks might say oh he fell off and the same with E-40 and Two Short. I mean, they're all, speaking to all of them, they're making the album with Ice Cube, all four of them. Snoop, yeah. Cube, Short and 40, and it's where I've heard some of the songs, and it's like, if you're a fan of their true original style, you're going to like it, but if you like them in their trendiest mm-hmm. form, if you only like Blow the Whistle or something, you're not going to be a fan of it. But aside from those rapper types, it is tricky, because like, I feel like Prince is one of those who was just so gifted that he was able to go decade for decade, and no matter what era it was, Prince could still make something dope even more than Mike, as much as I hate comparing I mean, Mike like and Prince, right, yeah. it's where I realize it around, like, yeah, I realize it around Invincible. Like, it's it's weird. Mike was the last one to really get into New Jack Swing. He really made the last great New Jack Swing mm-hmm. album, but he kind of stayed stuck in that New Jack Swing style for like 10 more yeah. years. Because when you heard Blood on the Dance Floor, when you heard even some of the songs on Invincible, some of those sounded like New Jack Swing, and I'm like, is that him sounding like, because if you think about Sync. NSYNC Sync and Britney had a kind of a New Jack Swing sound in the late '90s. They were pop, so mm-hmm. it could work for R&B. You couldn't make that. So when Mike was making it, I'm like, is he trying to make pop music for for the NSYNC Sync fans, or is he trying to make something for, you know, for the actual, you know, the, core, yeah. the the black fans who liked New Jack Swing ten years ago? So even it was even tricky for him. So it's where one thing that I've realized too, it might sound funny, but when I when I explain it, it'll make more sense. I think is that certain artists' voices sound so stuck or so, not even stuck, but just so unique to a certain time period that it's hard to hear them, that voice, without thinking that you're listening to a song from that era. So in the early 2000s, we had the Mystical. We had the Rest in Peace, even DMX. We had even Ludacris types where whenever you hear, whenever I heard something from any of them the last 10 years, even if it's dope, I just feel like I'm hearing a song from the early 2000s. So it's like, with mystical, like he he hopped on a Trinidad James song and he killed the verse. But it's still funny, cause it's like, cause mystical, you don't want to hear him not sound like mystical. Oh. I don't want to hear you sound like like Migos. But at the same time, it's like, am I listening to Danger Part Two? It's like it's a very tricky, a, a very tricky way for artists to really like stay modern and fresh. It's
1: tricky, and, yeah. and I think the longer you are away, like from like music, then the trickier it gets. Um, two years, you know, trying to come back after two years is different than trying to come back after 10 or 20 years and a lot of people get stuck in uh, because they have not made music in so long and they have not kept up. They try to come back and they, I guess their main objective is, let me create another hit. Let me, you know, stay on top as opposed to like, like somebody like Snoop who is like, Snoop is a music man. Like, Snoop's music will always be great to me because Snoop, I don't think is the type that chases a trend or who wants to sound like, you know, whatever is top 10 on the radio. Like he's kind of making music that appeals to him and his core fan base. And then you got somebody like a Mariah Carey, like, I mean, Mariah might've had one, one, like, you know, real serious bomb, like with glitter. But since then I, I, and I think she peaked with the emancipation of Mimi, but It's hard when you peak with something like that. That's so great. And then you try to keep coming because now instead of comparing it to 1995 Mariah, now you got to live up to 2005 Mariah, no matter what year it is. And that's the trick. It's, it's not getting stuck in any particular time because some people do like some people's voices. Like you said, they just remind you of the eighties or the seventies or the two thousands or like the nineties. Like some people just have that sound and it could be just the way that they're produced. And sometimes when you come back, you might have to work with different producers. You might have to work with different people. Like SWV, when they came back with uh, I Missed Us. Cos- yeah, Cosign yeah, was the first Cosine single. It was like, it. We yeah. get it. we're getting classic SWV, but it doesn't sound dated and it sounds amazing. On yeah. the other hand, Escape yeah. possibly could have done the same thing, but Candy wasn't a part of their last project. So that changes their sound whether like you whether you like candy or not like that changes their sound because her voice is such a huge part of the group and its success so when you got just the three and you don't have candy's distinct voice it might be a little different and they're also you know candy was candy is one of the greatest writers that we you know of our generation now so if she's missing then the songs are not going to be exactly the same because she's not a part of that so it's like many different like it's 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 a lot to it like you know it's like you got to think about the songwriters the producers you got to think about your vocals but you also have to think about how long you've been gone and whether or not you've kept up with music Mm -hmm. because you can be gone two years but if you haven't listened to anything in the past two years when you come back you (laughs) might still sound like two years ago now if you're keeping up with the music then there's a way to blend your style from whenever you were making the hits with the hits of today that's the trick trick. you got to keep your ear to the streets
0: that is the trick for sure and it's like even looking back we've talked about how many artists struggle when it when we got to the new jack swing era and then the hip-hop soul whatever it was and like even listening to like even some of the aretha stuff is where like aretha certain the same way i said it about about mystical and those types like shaka lot of them in those 70s they had a very distinct strong sound that It's hard to blend that vocal style with New Jack swing. It's like a lot of those they had those powerhouse voices, it's hard to tone that down and sing on a Jane Child (laughs) type of song or a Jade type of song by 93. It's like it just doesn't even really blend. And it's like one thing that, speaking of this whole whole debate, one of the biggest ones that I see that's uh, relative to this is uh, irrelevant to this, I would say, is the whole Chris Brown versus Usher. Like even though me and you don't even think it should happen (laughs) or shouldn't be a battle, it's like... The main thing that younger folks always say well usher ain't done nothing in the last 10 years or 12 years and it's like it's so many ways to look at it to me it's like well he had a 15 not 15 but at least yeah. a 12 year head start on chris so he has 12 years of music before chris even had mm-hmm. a debut but at the same time it's like when you, when you do listen to usher music the last 12 years it's a lot of hits a lot of misses yeah. it's where you can tell he's always because he's the type of artist that early on like around loving this club when he had that then the omg mm-hmm. he was really chasing that okay what's the modern hot trendy yeah. sound and omg is one of those love it or hated songs, songs back then either you loved it or hated it the first time my boy played it at a club the crowd just stopped and looked at him like why are you playing this edm this is a black crowd and he got on the mic was like this is brand new usher y'all gonna love it next month they did and they did because it was usher but six months later they're tired of it so it wasn't that they really loved it that much it was like
2: All right, it's Usher's
0: new song, but it came and went. But then on the flip side, he had Good Kisser. I thought Good Kisser was dope. It sounded mature. It sounded grown up. But it wasn't fast forward moving enough to really catch folks at that level. Because with Usher, it's like people are so used to him having super smash hits. When you get used to it, you don't have to call. You get used Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. You get used to like all these super classic top level songs. When he comes back and it's just cool it 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 doesn't hit the same way, so that's the that's the struggle too. It's like people are just so used to you being at a certain level that you have to keep making hits, and then it's always hard when you compare them to whoever is able to yeah. do it because like when you go back when you go back to hip hop, it's like people always do compare, of course Jay and Snoop. Mm-hmm. Jay is basically the king of New York, Snoop's the king of the West, like we've said, and it's like even with Snoop making stuff for his fans, he hasn't had anything near the success that Jay has had recently. Yeah. Jay still had Grammys with four 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 and it's like he'll hop on a song right now with Khaled and Nas, and it's like, wow, Jay is getting even better at 50. So it's like, it's where it makes it, it raises the bar even higher. Yeah. When you do have a certain artist like Jay, even Nas is like, hasn't really slowed down. So it's where when you do have certain ones who have kept that
1: momentum up, it's, it kind of raises that stake. It does, and I think sometimes age has a lot to do with it. Like, yeah, Usher, when, when Usher was, when, I guess, 8701 through Confessions... And I'm not sure it was yeah. the next album. Like, he was age appropriate for what he was making. So it made That's sense. That's true, too. Like, nobody yeah. wants, uh, which is, like, people talk about Tony Braxton sometimes. And it's like, well, she's hmm. older now. So, of course, her style and her music has evolved. But nobody wants to hear, like, 2001 Tony Braxton now because in 2001, it made sense. It was like, oh, you're, you're a woman yeah. of a certain age. Nobody wants to hear uh, 2000 or 98 Snoop. Because then it made sense. Yeah. You know, this is true. today yeah. it might not make sense. So age plays a factor yeah. into it that I think a lot of people. I didn't even think about think that. About.
0: That's a that's a huge part. Because even like yeah. speaking to all them, TLC had a song with Snoop a couple years ago that I didn't even realize they had. Yeah. And even watching that video, I'm like, this is cool. It's just like TLC came, they were a very young, youthful group who was like they were the future. They were like teens, late teens, and they were making yeah. what was so hot and just fast forward. And now they're literal aunties. Like, they are the auntie crowd. So it's like, but but their same crowd from 25 years ago, they're not really trying to hear TLC do what they did then, but they're not really caring about them making something modern either. And it's like, a lot of times certain artists get stuck just depending on what their, their image was when they first came out. Because, like, on the flip side, Too Short Still is saying the B word every two bars. And it's like... To me, it's like, okay, this song is catchy, but it just feels weird when you know he's fifty-eight years old still saying what's my favorite word. So it's Yeah, it gets like, complicated. You mentioned so, Ludacris yeah. earlier.
1: Like yeah. Ludacris at the time was hot because yeah. Ludacris was age appropriate to make like this hip hop that no one else was doing and he could do all these crazy, quirky things. Ludacris now, I'm sorry, Chris yeah. Bridges now, because you know he's a esteemed <laughs> actor. Like, we don't Esteem. want to hear, yeah, we don't want to hear him, you know, doing all these Nicki Minaj puns or we don't want to hear him over um, production by like some of the youngest, newest producers in the game. And but yeah. we also don't want to hear 2007 Ludacris. So it's like a happy medium that he has to find. Now, and I'm not speaking specifically yeah. to Ludacris, but anybody would have to find that happy medium. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of
0: Ludacris, he actually is on a song with, with you know, my favorite Beat king Beat king has a song where he basically <laughs> remade P-popping. Ludacris mm-hmm. kills the verse, so I wonder if it's gonna blow up. It sounds like an 05 Ludacris verse, so it's dope. But I wonder. I feel like at the same time, what was gonna start happening is just like what happened with uh, with Run on uh, "Let's Get Married." You love "Let's Get Married" that yeah. one verse, but did anybody buy the album? If he, if he had dropped the album the next week, would that album have been number one on the on the no. charts? No, no. But it's like in, in a novelty way, you loved it. Like oh, he still, yeah. you know, it worked perfectly for that mm-hmm. moment. So that's gonna start happening too. We're gonna have these legacy acts making these. These hits here and here, here and there with features, but it might not really mean that they're gonna have a brand new career rebirth from it. No, I mean some will, some will. not like Charlie Wilson's still
1: here. Charlie Wilson I mean, is. Yeah. Uwe, like Charlie is never. Charlie stopping. is different. Charlie's like, a whole different he's level. He's been going yeah. since he started, which is like I don't know many people who've done that. Yeah. Like, he's like so he. It's like the Osley Brothers, like him and Ron. That's no it. No matter when, him and Ron Isley, That's it. <laughs> yeah, like no matter yeah. when you release, people are gonna love it and whatever they have tapped into i guess they should teach a master class on that because a lot of people they can not last 5 That's years true. like these dudes coming up on 40 50 years Seriously. and they still they're they're <laughs> still able to release an album today um with like being them like not even trying to be anybody else yeah. but they get with the right writers and the right producers and they make magic Everybody's not doing it. I wish they were able to. Like I wish we could hear new Stephanie Mills on the radio right next like right after Doja Cat. Like, you know, just like, oh, you know, everybody's still (laughs) doing everybody's still doing their thing. But that's just not the reality of it. Some people just, you know, they take that time off and they can't do it. Some people just call some people decide to call it quits when they think like, all right, you know, I like Frankie Beverly and Maze made a new song about 130 years and you know you go to yeah. their concerts and everybody's still rocking we mentioned angela yeah. Winbush; she stopped like right new jack swing was coming in she's like no i just that's not i can't do that's that not me. and i'm not trying to yeah. do that i don't want to ruin like whatever legacy i've built so i think like it's it's definitely individual like base but we do tend to penalize people because they're not making what we want to hear Yeah. which is hard it
0: definitely it definitely happens like if you ask me i think we shouldn't i feel like we should hell everything everything that they did do that was legendary and yeah. i mean if you're really doing the verses or comparing them decade for decade is one thing but i'm never gonna take away from stevie or from anybody who's at that level for what, they, what they've made mm. the last 10 20 years if they made so much legendary classic music when they were teens and that was 50 60 years ago even 15 years ago it's like they made that in that time it was relevant and we still love that so I got to salute to them all day for that. Like, I'm not really tripping too much off of, you know, their fail since then. Like, I'm happy that they're still alive (laughs) making music. That's the main thing. They're still with us. That's that's what matters. That's what it's about. That's most important. So, now it's it's about that time um, to close out this first season of Behind the Wheels, episode number 15. It's time to have a beat match, basically trying to see who gets the second place for the best uh, soundtrack, the best soundtrack of the 90s. So, eb i'm sure you agree with me that the number one soundtrack is that way to excel of course of course and number, number one, one is yeah, there's no, no debating that when it comes to number two number three that's where it gets muddy so for number two i feel like
1: personally i would say above the rim uh what about you great soundtrack but i think uh boomerang is probably my number two spot of the 90s mm
0: okay that's probably my, my number three four it's up there but yeah we yeah they they connect but i'm i'm gonna I'm a, I'm a ride for above the rim today so to everybody who's listening this is called the beat match we have our producers melissa and the lady they will be the judges each of us me and eb both get three minutes to decide our case and fight for it we get two rebuttals and then our producers go ahead and tell us you know, who they think is the winner. And I feel like throughout the season, it's pretty even. I don't know who's the winner, per se. We had a lot of ties, too, but it's been pretty it's even. Ties. Yeah, a couple ties for sure. So we'll see about this one. So EB, as uh, as my co-host, go ahead and let them know why you feel Boomerang is that number two soundtrack of the 90s.
1: Okay, so we, we both agree Waiting to Excel is number one. Um, babyface is like a genius for it but before waiting to excel he produced uh executive produced the soundtrack to boomerang and that album to me so perfectly describes the film and we are introduced to tony braxton like right right out the gate um the first single give you my heart so we already have baby face who was established and then you got this young girl on there and everybody's like well who is this young girl is you know she's beautiful her voice is amazing and uh give you my heart is like one of those up tempo it's not quite new jack swing but it has a lot of new jack swing influence in it it came out which is great it's great song love it we see tony then we get boys to men end of the road and that is a song that never ever quit i mean hell it still probably is number one on somebody chart somewhere because the song was so huge um after that we got uh pm dawn i die without you and a lot of people don't even remember a lot about pm dawn but they were definitely um they had their moment in music and it was like a real i would say it was one of those uh predecessors to vibe music because it had like a real uh a real mellow groove to it um after that song then we get tony braxton's love should have brought you home and not only is the song great and she's on there crooning like she's anita baker but when you add to that the part of the movie when she's like love should have brought your ass home last night (laughs) and it's like oh you tied it in and gave us a whole song based on a line in the script and made it huge i think boomerang soundtrack is one of the most diverse because we get An even match of newer artists and older artists. Um, Like we had Grace Jones on there. Um, He wasn't brand new, but we had Keith Washington on there. And we had TLC. And then even the songs that were not singles. Like Johnny Gill's There You Go is one of his best songs. And one of like the great love songs of the 90s. And Shani's had that song Don't Want to Love You, which was like fun and you know she's still young and quirky if if i had to compare it to uh waiting to excel i think if waiting to excel is baby faces alts like if that is it for him like that is the best that he could do then he was definitely set up for success by being in charge of the boomerang soundtrack and the singles like they i mean we had a tribe called quest on an album with grace jones like when else does that happen? I think that is the greatest soundtrack after Waiting to Excel.
0: I get it, I get it. I feel like, I would say uh, Boomerang soundtrack has the advantage of having a better movie. Like, Above the Rim was, it's kind of a cult classic, but we know Boomerang itself as a movie was way better. So mm. the way that he worked in with that was definitely great. The thing with Above the Rim, I feel like, so one thing that, as we always say, the 90s move quick. It's crazy when you listen to those albums back to back because, they're both early 90s-ish. They're two years apart, but they sound way different. And it shows you how much music changed within those two years. And I feel like Above the Rim gets that edge because it really captured that moment of 94 where it shows how much more dominant hip-hop was and show how even the R&B had even more, even more hip-hop influence. But it was still like, it was just top level for that that moment and he did that 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 soundtrack of course came from death row but it didn't even need the same amount of great big names to be as great as it was so they came out the gate with that swv anything remix and of course we just saw verses and we still see how big anything is that's one of those prime prime 90s songs that video was so fire with them playing basketball so you had that then when it comes to the singles like you had regulate regulate is like the greatest greatest uh, hip-hop story about a, a diverted jack move ever. Like The the way that uh, we all know Regulate word for word. It's one of those karaoke songs. You go to a white bar in Santa Monica. You go to a, wherever it is. It could be in Soho. The white folks gonna know it. Somebody's grandma knows it. They took that Michael McDonald and flipped that to a different level. So you get Regulate. And that song essentially saved Def Jam, even though it was on a Death Row soundtrack. It was that that fire of a song. Then you got Another West Coast banger from an artist who was actually from Virginia with uh, Lady Rage. You had Afro Puffs and Afro Puffs. We still, whenever I see a a young girl who's five years old with Afro Puffs, I'm going to rap that song to her because it's just, whenever you see that hairstyle, it just sticks in your head with that. So you had those, Is just the straight, strong, strong singles. And then when it came to those album cuts, like it just shows you where 94 was with with music. H-Town Part-Time Lover was basically just Devontae, doing what he did for jodeci so it had that straight smooth evolved sexy sound that led to what timberland did with like pony it had that straight sound to it you had the sweet sable rest in peace the old time sake where they took that old eddie kendrick's lick way before um alicia keys took it and that was just one of those vibed out like it just felt like you on somebody's front porch smoking some waiting for the barbecue to get finished just a straight a vibed out type song you had tupac with one of the greatest greatest um post-death type songs with pour out a little liquor just talking about the way he grew up with his with his homies and just you know pouring out some liquor we still say that phrase because of that song and you even had i be sure doing a, a remake of of al green which sounds funny but it was still a, a, a fire single you had that i'm still in love with you you had dog pound big Pimpin'. and it might not have been as big on the east but even the south i was in the south just 15 years ago, they was playing that song like it was brand new still. So you had that Bing Pippin type song. And I feel like the diversity on Above the Rim just made it a little bit stronger than me.
1: I get that. I think um, although both are very diverse, I still stand uh, with Boomerang being a bit more diverse. Um, like we had, like I mentioned before, we had Trace Jones and a Tribe Called Quest on one album. But we also had a song with Charlie Wilson and Aaron Hall, which was huge at the time because if you were a fan really? of Aaron Hall, <laughs> I'm sorry, you were a fan yeah. of uh, Charlie Wilson, <laughs> then you heard, like, you yeah. he was like, oh, who is this cat swaggerjacking Charlie Sound? But Charlie embraced that. <laughs> yeah. They worked together and they did that. Then you get songs, um, Kenny Vaughn is on there. It's like, you have a song with a guitarist who is not even primarily like an R&B dude. And then you put that next to something with Damien Dame, which... You know, right now, people probably, you know, not remembering who Damien Damian Dame was but exclusivity. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were they were huge at the time. Um they both died. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is sad. I don't think that uh Boomerang was during the time, I guess, because it was ninety two, music has not had not evolved to the point where hip hop was a major feature, especially in R and B. But Babyface made sure to get you know a tribe called quest and you got to have at least one hip-hop song on there so he, you could see where he was going the direction he was going with the song um and then you had tlc on there which is at the time Chinese is you know she's a little established she's not she's not been around that long tlc is brand new boys the men is, you know they working their way on up there tony braxton we've never heard of before johnny gill is like solo but not like he's not new edition johnny gill like he he was a grown man at this point and that song illustrates it and i i would say that even though oh, above the rim is not as great of a movie as um boomerang but i don't think the soundtrack makes up for that i mean i hear i hear what you're saying i would say so even with
0: tlc i gotta say that That reversal of a dog song, it sounds kinda kinda childish, kinda silly now. Like it sounds very ninety two. And not to say above the rim doesn't sound ninety four at some parts, but that song Reversal of a Dog is of course that came from that whole kinda chronic influence and everything was this biting atomic dog. So it was probably the low end, like it 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 wasn't what Anita Anita um I mean Adina Howard did with um freak like me it wasn't anything like that as far as taking the atomic dog but oh but either way um one thing about above the rim that that i feel like was so dope is that it still sounded cohesive it felt like it feels like it was like the young folks type of sound at that time in in every direction like you had the slow jams even like dj rogers jr he had a song called doggy style and it was similar to like a jolicy type song it had those slow jams that showed where 94 was at with with R&B. And even songs that sound silly because of the title were actually dope. Like There's a track called Hoochies Need Love Too," And yeah, that name is so 94, of course, but when you hear the way they flip that Shaka Khan sweet thing, it's like, oh, this is actually a vibe. So you hear what they did with that. And then you had Joelle and Aaron Hall. Joelle was just the straight up, like, she was like the G-Funk Shaka Khan. The way she was singing those tracks. And to have Joelle Along with Aaron Hall, who we just mentioned, hearing them both on that song, she talked about grabbing your chocolate back. I'm like, oh, this is different. This is some. This is that you soul. This is that midnight, midnight love on BET type of era. So, just hearing all these songs together, mixed in with the hip hop, I felt like it was just the perfect blend. Because yeah, Babyface was smart enough to put that one hip hop song on it, but Above the Rim was really half and half, half hip hop, half R&B, and both sides hit to me just as hard. I feel like even the uh, SWV anything, the album version was definitely a decent, cool song. We enjoyed it on the album, but hearing that remix, like that, that made that song what, what it is. Like a lot of folks don't even realize that the album version exists. Cause all they know is that remix. So
1: yeah. Which is, which is great because I love the album version and I love uh, the remix even more. Um, but I think both soundtracks speak to um not just the film, but like the geolocation of the movies and the age of the characters in the film. Uh, Boomerang gave you more of an adult, you know, late 20s, you know, laid back, young black professional type deal as opposed to Above the Rim, which was, you know, it was set for a younger crowd, a younger audience, Um, maybe early 20s or even teenagers actually. Um, The singles from boomerang end of the road was number one forever um and then number three was like p.m dawn um like tony braxton's love should have brought you home again that song coupled with the video is iconic like when people hear when people think of the movie boomerang they tend to think of that song first they tend to think of end of the road I definitely get that. I mean, much love to
0: Babyface and for Boomerang. I just, you know, I gotta ride with that Above the Rim, I feel like. At the same time, that that album and that soundtrack is one of those that really just changed soundtracks even more. I think Boomerang was where we we already had a lot of great soundtracks coming out, and that one was dope, but Above the Rim is one of those that, after that album, it felt like whatever, whatever movie that had a hip-hop demographic, as you said, like Boomerang did speak to that kind of older, late 20s, even early 30s type crowd, but from that point, Above the Rim, everything you had, you had the Murder Was the Case type soundtracks, you had the Sunset Park type soundtrack, now, even when you had Nutty Professor soundtrack, even when you had Set It Off, even the movies that weren't directly catered to that early 20s demographic, they still kind of took that formula from Above the Rim of saying, let's make it half half hip-hop, half R&B. For the R&B, it's going to be half slow jams, half up-tempo jams, so that led to a lot of what we saw in the 90s, so that's the reason I would give Above the Rim a, a, a slight nod just for that influence overall. and. I gotta roll with that for that number two pick, and with that, it's about time to pass it on to our producers, Melissa and the Lady. Let's see which one y'all would pick for your, I guess, the number two soundtrack of the '90s.
1: That's funny. And the Lady was probably on set. When the were filmed. <laughs> I she was, was waiting there. to see. We yeah. heard him vote. She was in the studio. Yeah.
2: What? When they were in writing, the studio, when yeah. They were watching the film. Babyface
0: That's was right. like, I was at the end of the road yeah. with Babyface when they wrote it. Like, like, they,
2: were, they were watching the film to get inspiration for what the lyrics would be. And she was there, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I could see if y'all were saying, I heard boys and men singing and practicing or something. But <laughs> the rest of this is a stretch. <laughs> Just uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am going to go with Above the Rim. I. I mean, I definitely think Boomerang is a classic as far as the movie goes and the soundtrack. But it's just the flow of the soundtrack on Above the Rim, the arguments from artistic, like all of that. I'm like, yeah, anything and like having regulated and all those, it just, it hits for me. So I'm going to go with Above the Rim. Yeah.
0: All right. And Melissa?
2: So my number two pick is wouldn't actually be on either of these lists. <laughs>
0: That well i i quick, mean quick, i feel quick. like it's disqualified <laughs> right.
2: at this point in time because of who produced it space jam um so uh, okay
0: okay okay because yeah. i
2: was a child at the time too so you
0: understood, know understood um, understood um but
2: basketball jones <laughs> i know <if> I... <laughs> um but uh out of these two wow. choices the one that i feel like still that i listened to a lot of these songs off of would still be and be, based on the uh, the uh, arguments that were given i would go with above the rim as well
0: mm, okay 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 ah. hey i mean look i rock with both of them i mean i play songs from both of those of course but you know it's oh of course yeah, of course yeah.
1: of course i mean I stepped in this season 1 of Behind the Wheels as the the winner of the beat match and we closing out and I've lost and I just don't hey. know how to feel about this. Hey, look, you, it's always a season
0: 2, you know. It's always, you know, seasons come and they go. But have yeah. to this season oh. as a champion, it, it, you know. It, it, yeah, that's, that's right. That's what it is. So That's okay. Hey, hey, I'm, you got you got a whole however, however many days, weeks we have off. If you had that much time to you know get some arguments
1: going, you know. We we going to come back with it of course. That's right. Hey, okay. Hey. That's the only way to do it. Well, congratulations, young man. I mean, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, everybody, go and watch Boomerang and listen. to And watch to the soundtrack. Above
0: the Rim and then listen to that soundtrack and and listen to Regulate and just see how 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 Warren was tripping. Warren, Warren should have got jacked that night. Like, how you in your own neighborhood about to get jacked and Nate Dog had to save you, but you know, but but anyway,
1: anyway. Listen, those those yeah. singles, those singles though from Above yeah. the Rim. Okay, that. The, the, anything and regulate, they, oh man, they, yeah, they, they were, monsters, I mean, I end of the road was, I mean, that was, it had a higher, a higher peak. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it was, it was a thing, but you know, when, listen, I'm Wu-Tang all day. So when, when that verse comes on, anything, Kaboom! I, yeah. I, I will admit yeah. it. Guess who stepped in the room? I, I will admit it. I, I still don't think it's <laughs> yeah. better than Boomerang, but that song. Yeah. yeah regulate. Like you mentioned the, yeah. the corny karaoke. It's at that, yeah, it's right. at that point. Right.
0: So, but no, to, to everybody who's listening, if y'all disagree with what our producer said, hit us up on that on that uh, hashtag. Of course, that is hashtag behind the wheels Pod, And that concludes season number one. So that is 15 episodes for you. If you skipped around, that's cool. Go back and listen to all of them. We have those for you. And we'll be coming up with, you know, some things bigger and better for you. So we appreciate you all for being tuned in. That's right. The entire season for giving us suggestions, for giving us feedback, for giving us reviews and everything else. And... You know, I think, you know, depending on when you're listening to it, we're slowly starting to open up, so please be safe out there and, you know, just enjoy your summer, enjoy your next couple days, weeks, and put on some of these playlists. We have a playlist for each episode for you all, so make sure you play those just on your road trips, whatever it is, on the plane, flying, or wherever you're flying, to the Tulum, and I know I know you're going to be in Tulum and all that <laughs> this summer. So, But, no, we'll see you all soon. Once again, follow me at DJRTISTIC. That's on Twitter and Instagram. EB, where can they find you?
1: I am EB4Prez. That's EB, the number four. Prez. is spelled P-R-E-Z. Again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any social media network, you can find me under EB4Prez. And y'all, please, yeah, we we brought y'all the older artists and the rewinds, but please really support these up-and-coming artists that we mentioned in the fast forward because they're all amazing.
0: For sure, for sure. We try to keep... Music progressing and alive for the future. You know, that's what the goal is. So we appreciate y'all for being tuned in. Continue to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. And we have that playlist for you once again. The link is in the show notes. And if you have any comments, any suggestions for even season two, we're coming back for you. So go ahead and send that to the email behindthewheelspod at gmail.com. And we'll be seeing y'all soon. So stay tuned. Out. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Montz and Milady Yahoma Seth. And the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.